0: Well, I got the call on Wednesday that this would be my time on Sunday morning. That didn't give me a lot of preparation, but I did not give in to the temptation of pull something out that you've used in the past. Rather, I said, Lord, show me where we need to go. And he's led me today to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. If you have your Bibles, we'll go there in a moment and stand and read that, but let me just give you a little uh, commentary first. That fourth verse, Paul gives thanks the Corinthians. The first thought I had on Wednesday of a verse was, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. That's from the book of Philippians. And I thought, well now, there it is in Philippians. Is it anywhere else in Paul's writings? And I discovered similar statement here, but then I also found out Paul wrote 13 letters and 10 of those contain a similar statement to every one of the congregations, every one of the audiences that he communicated with, that he was thankful for them. Now it's surprising that he would be thankful immediately here for the Corinthians. Because beyond the Galatian church, in which Paul gives no salutation or greeting or any personal word goes right into correction of problems, the next church that seemed to give Paul the most problems and caused him the most uh, trouble and and, uh, stress and call for his effort and attention to correct some problems is the church at Corinth. Now Paul had established the church, spent time there, and got everything started and going properly on the right footing. And then Paul left to continue his missionary journeys and start other churches and continue other work. And we don't know exactly what happened, but it was not a long period of time until the church at Corinth had come to have all kinds of problems. In fact, just later in this chapter, we're going to end at the 8th verse in a moment, but starting with the 10th verse, Paul immediately begins to address the problems that he's heard about that the church in Corinth has. And then uh, their problems were so great and so extreme that not only did uh, Paul address the ones he had heard about, the problems he had heard about, but he also uh, received a letter from them, a note from them, with a list of questions and concerns that they had. And so he had to address those as well. So the entire book of Corinthians, if you remember the story uh, and the study, it's uh, a story of Paul addressing issues and problems in the church at Corinth. Those that uh, the, the information, the problems they were having had gotten to him and others that they had written him about, and he addresses all of those issues. But this is one more troubled church. Now it started on a firm foundation, but in a short period of time, the trouble began to develop in the church. Let's read our passage and then we'll talk more about it today. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 beginning in verse 4. And if you'll stand with me. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. That in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that you may be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Please be seated. I've just read for you five verses, but one sentence from the Apostle Paul. Most of you know he's famous for his run-on sentences, his continuation of a thought in one sentence, and that's what we have here in the way the King James has it organized and punctuated. That one sentence seems to address all of the problems that the church at Corinth had. Evidently, I'll summarize it this way, pride had crept into the Corinthian church. First of all, passive pride, That just little insidious attitude and condition and position that we find ourselves in as Christians where we just neglect the things of the Lord. We're not diligent in our uh, study of the Word. We're not faithful in our prayer life. We're not attentive to church attendance and to worship and to fellowship. Uh, We're not acquainted with the ministry of the Holy Spirit to help us uh, be successful and to be on focus in the Christian life. Evidently, that's what had happened to the church at Corinth in a short period of time. Now, I don't think it happened instantly. I think it happened over a period of time, gradually. And it was, first of all, passive pride. But when you read through the book of Corinthians and uh, Paul's uh, issues that he had to deal with, you find out it moved from passive pride to active pride. Because the very first chapters I've just indicated, Paul begins to deal with strife and competition and arrogance and, Divisions within the church. And if you remember the story, there's so many uh, issues that uh, can be traced back to the issue of pride. Corinthian believers just not being diligent, just not being attentive, just not being disciplined to their walk with the Lord. And so, gradually over a period of time, they moved into a an attitude passively, I can do this myself, I don't need uh, to go to that trouble, that discipline, I don't need to depend upon the Lord, rely upon the Lord, and then that began to manifest itself in outward behavior and activity in their church. As I speak to us today, I want to simply make this a reminder, and uh, I'll say to you, uh, you probably won't believe me when I tell you, but I'm going to try to be brief. Uh, For my own sake, I'm having some throat trouble, and if I can get through here without coughing into the microphone too many times, that'll be a good thing to do. Uh, But I'll try to be brief and just give you a simple reminder today that you can take with you. All of us are subject to that passive pride. Just insidiously, quietly, slowly, but profoundly, we begin to develop an attitude that I can do this on my own. I can figure this out. I know the answer to this. I know how to handle this. In our passage here today, we're going to go back and look at each verse. Our passage here today, uh, the Apostle Paul, I think, gives one sentence, one statement, and I think he's saying this, this is where you need to be. Now, the rest of the book is this is where you are, and we're going to change it. We're going to correct it. But this is where you need to be. I think he's also saying to them, this is what I taught you. This is where I left you, and this is where you need to return once again. An understanding and a knowledge of our need for the Lord, our reliance and dependence upon the Lord daily throughout our lives as Christians. We're never able to do it on our own. We're never able to uh, uh, approach the Christian life in our own strength. We need to understand that, but we subtly find ourselves shifting from that dependence and reliance upon the Lord to uh, uh, that dependence upon ourselves and then that strife with others and that competition with others and in this case it manifests itself in a church but in our lives it could manifest itself certainly in this church if we're not cautious and careful but it can also manifest itself in our marriages in our relationships in our witness to the world where we just lose that constant walk with the Lord uh, and close walk with the Lord and try to do things on our own and end up in the kind of problems that the church at Corinth had. I love what one of our songs said just a few minutes ago. We will keep our eyes on you so that we can keep our heart on you. Folks, that's the way the Christian life begins. That's the way it continues. And that's the way it will end. It's all about Jesus. It's nothing about us. Let's go back and look at our verses for a moment. And as we look, I want you to notice where Jesus is in every verse. He's at the heart of it. There we go. Paul says to the Corinthians, I thank my God always on your behalf so he's grateful for those who caused him extreme problems and gave him great disappointment. But he's still thankful because of the grace of God. It wasn't up to the Corinthians. It wasn't up to Paul. It was up to God's grace and goodness through Jesus Christ. And he believed and gave thanks because that uh, by the grace of God, they could overcome and return to where they needed to be in their spiritual walk. So I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ. Now the word grace and given there are almost synonyms. Uh, Grace is what God does for us. We can't do for ourselves. Uh, It's his unmerited favor. And so that which is given is that which God gives us. He gives us of his grace. But I want you to notice that grace is given to us by Jesus Christ. And let me just remind us, Jesus is able to extend to us the grace to save us, the grace to keep us and to bless us and to use us, the grace to bring us to the end. He's able to do that because one day he left heaven and came to earth, and we're about to celebrate that arrival upon the earth. He lived a sinless life. At the end of his life, he died on Calvary's tree. It took Christ's perfect life and willing death in order to accomplish for us that which would allow us to be saved and forgiven and started on a new path uh, in, in our lives and in our future and in our destiny. So it, it, we can think of it if you want to in this way, verse 4 is our foundation as Christians. How do we become rightly related to God? How do we have our sins forgiven? How do we have hope for heaven? How do we have hope to make our life on this earth through all the years of our life, the decades of our life, whatever it is, how do we uh, accomplish that? It is by the grace of God and only by the grace of God. We dare not forget that we can't do it ourselves. We can't save ourselves. We can't keep ourselves. We can't enable and empower ourselves. And we can't arrive at the final destination on our own, only by the grace of God. And that grace of God was purchased for us When Jesus died on the cross, and I always like to remind people as well, there on the cross, the price he paid was not just the physical suffering, but that agony when he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, And all the other suffering and agony that he endured there on the cross. But then when he died, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. He was taken from the cross, he was buried, and on the third day, God raised him from the dead. And the message in that is... What Christ has done, I accept, I'm pleased with, is absolutely perfect and complete and sufficient for your salvation. And so if you want to be saved, you'll do it by the grace of God, by the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, accomplished on the cross and witnessed to, testified to by uh, God the Father when he raised Jesus from the dead on the third day. So if you're making some notes, you might want to put the word down right here, foundation. The Christian life's foundation is the gift of God, God's grace purchased and accomplished for us by Jesus Christ. Now let's look at the next few verses. I see this as continuation. The Christian life begins when we're saved, when we're born again, when our sins are forgiven, and we start out in a brand new direction. Old things are passed away, all things are become new. But then there's a lifetime to live for the Lord. And there's where I think we get uh, uh, into this temptation for passive pride that can lead to active pride as well. And that is, uh, we've got to live every day. We've got to live on the mountaintop. We've got to live in the valley. We've got to go through uh, week after week, during the year, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, however long the Lord gives us, we've got to live that Christian life beautifully, successfully, and effectively effectively. And we also only do that by the grace of God, by the presence and the work and the ministry of Jesus Christ. Look at, uh, in verse 5. This is the continuation of the Christian life. Its foundation is the grace of God through Jesus. Its continuation that in everything, and I don't think that's necessarily a reference to just everything, but every facet of your life, every area of your life, every need of your life, in everything you are enriched by him. I can't be saved without Jesus Christ and I can't have my needs supplied, my life uh, uh, continued, my life multiplied. I can't have that happen either without the provision of Jesus Christ. Now you see where Jesus is there in that fifth verse? That in everything you are enriched by him. The same one who died to give us salvation is the one who ministers to us, uh, uh, develops us, uh, assists us uh, all the way through the Christian life so that we're enriched by him. And then Paul mentions two specific things there, in all utterance and all knowledge. Well, think about the difference in those two. Knowledge is that which would be on the inside, that which we know. And when we know the right thing, then we're able to say the right thing or do the right thing or behave in the right way outwardly. There's living the Christian life. There's the continuation of the Christian life. And it only comes by the provision of Jesus Christ. He not only provided for our salvation initially by forgiving our sins, but he comes alongside us. He walks with us. He shepherds us. He ministers to us and enables us to live that Christian life victoriously and successfully. I would ask you to think about your life today where you are spiritually. Have you drifted? Did you know at one time you're born again by the grace of God through faith? And that it was not of works as any man should boast. It was a gift of God. Have you known that? Well and good. That's the, that's the foundation. That's the beginning point. But the Christian life continues for a lifetime. And in the same way we're required uh, to have the provision of Christ for our initial salvation, we're required to have the provision of Christ for our everyday life as a Christian. From the moment we're saved until the Lord calls us home. In everything, you are enriched only by Him. You can't do it by your own initiative, by your own effort, your own wisdom, uh, your own thought process, or your own influence only enriched by Jesus, by Jesus Christ. Look at verse six. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. Now that's a specific reference Paul has to the church at Corinth. I taught you of the grace of God and you were saved by that grace. And while I was with you, you continued in that grace. You continued dependent upon the Lord. And as a result, your testimony, your relationship with Christ was confirmed. It was evident, but you've left that. You've gone away from that. You've shifted suddenly from that and you're no longer walking with the Lord on a daily basis. Your testimony is no longer uh, a clear testimony, a vibrant testimony, and powerful testimony, but your uh, testimony now has become weak and confused and troubled. The testimony of Christ. There's Jesus again in this verse. You see it back in verse four? The gift of God is the, is the grace of God purchased by Jesus Christ? It's Jesus only. The continuation is that in Jesus Christ, He provides for our needs. That's verse five. He uh, enriches us and enables us, and we have to rely upon Him as we live the Christian life day by day and week by week. And then when we do that, our testimony is not about us, it's about Jesus, it's about Christ. And that, if you remember the story of the church at Corinth, they had so many problems, and most all of them had shifted them away from any testimony of Christ. It was a testimony of their opinion, their way, their attitude, their priority, their actions, their choices. Their testimony was of themselves, and it failed to be and ceased to be the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about your own life today. It's easy to do. I'm preaching to myself. It's easy to quit relying and depending totally on Christ. In fact, it's not easy to do that because it's a daily process. The Apostle Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the process of living the Christian life dependent upon Christ. I think also of the words of Jesus in uh, Luke's gospel. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. The Christian life begins with the grace of God that saves us, but it continues with the grace and the power and the wisdom and the provision of God that sustains us, that matures us, that enables us to do and be all that the Lord uh, has created us to be even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. Then look at verse 7. Both in verse 7 and in verse 8, there's a reference to the coming again of Jesus. I'm not going to chase that rabbit. I wouldn't consider it a rabbit. It would be a wonderful uh, doctrine to pursue, a wonderful message to bring today. But Paul does have that in mind. The same Jesus who established you in your initial salvation is the same Jesus who at the end is going to come to receive you and reward you uh, at the end of your life after you've lived this Christian life dependent upon him. But Paul tells the Corinthians, when you're dependent upon Christ, not on yourself, when you're not living by personal pride and, and a passive pride that can become active pride, when you're not living that way, but when you're living in a daily relationship with Christ acknowledging that in the same way it took his death, burial, and resurrection to save me, it takes his power and his provision to enable me to live the Christian life every day. When you're doing that, then you come behind in no gift. You're you're not lacking anything. And all you're doing then is waiting for Jesus to come and and put a bow on the package to wrap everything up and make it all that uh, he promised it to be and intended it to be. Look at verse uh, 7, verse 8 now, yes, I'm sorry, verse verse 8. Uh, who also, there's Jesus again. Do you see the who? This is a reference back to the one who died for us, the one who keeps us and sustains us and provides for us, and now it's a reference. Uh, He's also the one who will confirm us to the end. I want you to think about that for a minute. Paul is dealing with some hard-headed, hard-hearted, frustrating, disappointing believers in Corinth. And he's able to say to them before he starts dealing with all their problems and their issues, he's he's able to say, just as Christ started it with you, continues it with you, he's going to bring it to a conclusion. Over in Philippians, you remember what Paul said He who hath begun a good work in you will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's a great assurance and reminder to us. And the uh, hope we have of uh, being confirmed to the end fulfilled to the end, completing God's plan and purpose for our life, the hope we have for doing that comes as we learn to walk with the Lord and trust in the Lord, rely upon the Lord on a daily basis, not just daily, but moment by moment, decision by decision, action by action, choice by choice, we come to rely totally, completely upon the Lord, so that when the Lord comes back in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, you may be found blameless. Now that's the last thing the Apostle Paul wanted to say to those Corinthians right then, but he had no choice. Because the grace that's powerful enough to save us is the same grace to sustain us and to keep us, and it's the same grace that one day will complete us and deliver us to his plan and his promise for us at the end of time. I want to offer that to you today just as a reminder. Sometime you may want to take your Bible and go through a quick study of the book of Corinthians And you'll see that this five verses, this one sentence, is all Paul has to say before he plunges into all the issues that he's trying to correct and deal with and questions that he's trying to answer. But I think he puts that one sentence right here in the beginning to say, This is where you were, this is where you need to be, and this is where you will be successfully as a Christian. When you simply remember, I can't do it on my own. I couldn't die for my own sins. I can't make the right decisions and go in the right direction in my life each day. And I cannot uh, fulfill God's purpose for my life on my own. And Christ has made provision for us to take care of us from the beginning, the continuation, and the anticipation or the end of our uh, Christian life as well. If I could just give you a couple of thoughts and we'll close. It's easy to stop trusting and to start relying upon ourselves. It's easy for self confidence to manifest itself. It's easy for pride to take over. It's easy for us to subtly and quietly move into uh, that uh, uh, assumed pride, that uh, uh, pride of the background. And then we find ourselves finally, eventually, as the Corinthians did, manifesting not only uh, passive pride, but active pride as well. And it's easy to do that. And so I simply offer to you today this reminder. The foundation of our salvation. The foundation of the forgiveness of our sins. The foundation of our hope for heaven. The foundation of our living this life here upon the earth successfully uh, and uh, uh, pleasing to the Lord. The foundation for all of that is what Jesus did and none of what we did. But that same Jesus who provided for the foundation also says, I'll be with you every step of the way. I'll send the Holy Spirit to comfort you. You have my word. You have a direct access to uh, the Father through me in prayer. Learn to live your Christian life day by day in the same way that you began the Christian life. By grace, Through faith alone, and we live the Christian life the same way, by grace, through faith alone. All of it is the provision of Jesus. Again, if you want to go back and study this one sentence, these five verses, go back again and make yourself a note of how many times Jesus is referenced there. Not always by name, but he is the key to the whole sentence that Paul uh, states and expresses. Jesus Christ, beginning, continuing, and ending. He's the foundation He's the confirmation, and then, thank goodness, in our Christian life, he who begun a good work in us will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the completer, the finisher of our faith. And that's the way to live the Christian life, beginning with Jesus, continuing with Jesus, and anticipating, looking forward to the day when we will be with Jesus in person. I think I told you I was going to try to stop a little early, and I am for the sake of my voice, and for the sake of you. So we're going to uh, bring this message to a conclusion by asking you to consider where you stand today with Jesus Christ. If he's not your Savior and Lord, if he's never forgiven your sins, he, if he's never given you the assurance of heaven and the promise of his presence in your life, then you're at the right place today. Jesus is here ready to meet you, to enter your life, and to do everything for you that he said he would do for the a church at Corinth, for that he had done for the Apostle Paul, that he's done for me, and that he's done for so many in this room. As we close this service, if you need to come today and put your faith and trust in the one who did it for you, Jesus Christ, I invite you to do so. There may be the need here today for you to come and just spend some time at the altar praying for yourself. You see that subtle shift in your life, that subtle drift that move from a dependence upon Christ to too much reliance upon self and too much confidence in me, you may need to come today just in prayer and confession, surrender, and let the Lord deal with that in your life. You may come to pray for someone else here today. And you may be here today ready to join this church. It's a holiday weekend. The pastor's not in the pulpit. And so you may say, well, I'll just wait. If the Lord's calling you here, He wants you to do something about it and there's no reason to wait. You can do it today. While we sing in a moment, I'm going to be standing here at the front and uh, as the Lord speaks, and you need to make a public decision of any kind, then we invite you to do so. Let's bow together in prayer. Thank you, our Father, for the opportunity to gather here again this morning. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for the clarity of your word and the simplicity and the beauty of how to live the Christian life be successful, to be victorious, to be abundant. We thank you for that, our Father. Now we pray in these moments that we will respond to the Word and to the speaking of the Holy Spirit. Whatever decision needs to be made here today will be made right now. Amen.